Hello, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. Today on Executive Presence Morsels, we'll be sampling another bite-sized learning to help you be seen, be heard, and be elevated. Welcome to the final episode of Executive Presence Morsels Chess Week. Today we're going to talk about the Queen's Gambit. Can't have an episode or a week about chess without talking about the hit Netflix show, The Queen's Gambit. Um, not going to actually talk too much about the show itself, but more the concept uh, of the title, The Queen's Gambit, and what that is and what that can teach us about leadership. For those of you who haven't seen the show, um, you know, it's really well produced uh, and it's just fun. Um, even if you don't like chess, uh, it's interesting to see the relationships and the personalities and to see um, the evolution and the maturation of this um, Beth Harmon, who's the lead character as, as a human being uh, and also as a chess player and eventually chess champion. And uh, my favorite quote uh, from the series is, you know, Beth is very, um, was very like sort of rageful at times and, and is very fiery and you know she's um, with one of her friends and she says you know anger clears my head and Harry who's sort of um, been teaching her and mentoring her quotes the second grade teacher Mrs. Greco and says anger is a potent spice a pinch wakes you up too much dulls your senses I don't know why I just really like that quote and I, I thought the writing uh, in the episode uh, was really uh, great and in the show overall so what is a gambit or what is the queen's gambit and what can that teach us about leadership? So there are various gambits in addition to the queen's gambit. It's called the queen's gambit because it happens on the queen's side and with the pawns that are in front of the queens. And to simplify, again, I don't, I don't get technical in these episodes because I'm not, um, it's not what these episodes are about and I'm not like a huge chess person. Um, but simply put, a gambit is where you sacrifice or you give up a piece in order to get a better position later on within the game. So the other side thinks or may think that they're winning when you bungle a piece or offer up a piece, which they take. But because of the way things are planned out and the position you are in when you gave up that piece, you actually gain an advantage. And it may not be immediate, it may evolve over um, many more moves or even throughout the course of the game. But sometimes you lose the battle in the beginning to actually help you win the war, uh, you know, on the other side. So there's lots of great examples um, of this historically. Um, one that I recently uh, learned about um, was reading a book about George Washington and the first four presidents and their sort of affinity for uh, Greek and Roman philosophy and education. And one of the sort of things that I learned from that book was actually that George Washington actually lost a lot of battles. In fact, he lost more battles than he won. But he won the war and in the end was considered a very strong leader. Well, how is that possible? Well, he had other great qualities like being able to rally the troops sustained morale, great organization, and ultimately he kept the army functional and together long enough uh, that the British eventually gave up and, you know, decided that they had lost the war and, you know, 
decided to sort of end the war and the Americans had won. So there were times where he could have thrown more resources into a battle and maybe won a particular battle, but the cost of winning that battle could have actually damaged the army irreparably, irreparably, I always have trouble saying that word, and made it more difficult for him to win the war. And I could be speaking now with a British accent, or maybe I wouldn't even be <laughs> here in America, right? So who knows? Another great example of a, of a gambit-type tactic, also from history, uh, is from Russia and Napoleon. So in 1812, uh, Napoleon led his army into Russia. He's uh, got, you know, the strongest army in the world at this point, and he's attacking the Russian Tsar Alexander I. So he brings 600,000 men into Russia, and he plans this huge battle, and he's good at winning these sorts of huge battles. I mean, he's a general. This is how he's amassed all this power and all these troops. Now, Alexander knew that fighting head-to-head -head would be a losing strategy. So instead of facing Napoleon's forces the way Napoleon would have expected, he just kept backing up. He retreated. So every time Napoleon's forces were like, fight me, fight me, fight me, he would just back up and go further into Russia. Now, what do you think the reaction of Napoleon was? Napoleon was angry. He was like, how dare you run away from me? I'm going to fight you and beat you down. So what he did was he followed the retreating Russian forces going deeper and deeper into Russia. Now, what was the problem with this? The problem with this was this campaign lasted a lot longer than Napoleon had anticipated. So he didn't have as many supplies as he would need for this sort of battle or this sort of war, let's say. And he also normally would expect his army to live off the land of the territories they conquered. But the Russians adopted this scorched earth policy where when they left, when they retreated, they burned down everything. So the you know winning army couldn't uh, take advantage or feed themselves or use any of those resources. Now think about this. They're sacrificing their own land. They're burning down their own crops, their own houses, making it more difficult for Napoleon's oncoming army to be comfortable, to be fed, to be well housed. Now when Napoleon finally entered Moscow, the Russians had abandoned the city, the city's on fire, you know, it's the scorched earth thing is happening, and it's winter. And I guess, you know, the Russian winters are pretty harsh, so now he ordered his forces to retreat back to France. And the weather and the winter ended up being a huge obstacle and foe to a now an underfed, tired, demoralized army because they, don't, they haven't had any victories, they've just been chasing, chasing, chasing. So of the roughly 600,000 troops who followed Napoleon into Russia, fewer than 100,000 made it out. And it was really sort of the beginning of the end for Napoleon's reign. So also an example of a gambit. By losing and by sacrificing, they were actually able to defeat a much stronger, well-equipped well and more numerous um, army. So what I'd like you to do today is ask yourself, do you always have to win every time? Are there times when by actually losing or even not doing something, you actually advance the goal of your leadership and the project? Are there times where you know that you should not do something 
but you do it instead because your ego or your desire to win forces you to do it. And you know full well that longer range, that that's actually going to hurt you and count against you. And think about this gambit tactic, how sometimes losing or allowing someone else to win can actually help you succeed as a team, as an individual, as a professional going forward. Well, thanks so much. I really enjoyed Chess Week with you on Executive Presence Morsels. My name is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. Remember, it's not what you say, do, or wear. It's how you make people feel that generates executive presence. Nothing else matters. Please join us next Monday for Revolution Week. If you like, please stay tuned for a preview of tomorrow's episode, brought to you by our sponsors. Have you ever shared a great idea only to be ignored or have someone else take the credit? Why do some people consistently seem to advance faster? Have you ever implemented performance feedback and expected things to change? only to have a new hurdle placed in front of you? I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. After years of coaching clients and while writing my book, Unlock Your Executive Presence, I discovered executive presence is the key to unlocking your career. But what is it? How do you get it? And can it be taught? In my online course, Executive Presence and the Diversity Dilemma, we explore how executive presence works. You may be surprised to learn as was I, that it has nothing to do with what you say, do, or wear. Most courses fail because they only teach you how to copy executive presence. We'll start off by revealing how it actually works, which is based on how you make people feel. Next, we'll explore the six degrees of executive presence, which will help you generate it on demand. Finally, we'll cover how to make your authenticity an asset power of introverts and generating executive presence in virtual meetings. If you are a high potential professional with the skills to advance, but who is struggling to get the right attention, then this course is for you. The first module is free, so join us today on udemy.com so you can be seen, be heard, and be elevated. truth is, it's not easy coming up with content for a daily podcast like Executive Presence Morsels. One way I keep things fresh is by constantly learning from others. An easy and convenient way to do this is through audiobooks, and the Rolls-Royce of audiobooks is Audible. Today, our listeners can try a free 30-day trial of Audible Premium Plus, which gives you credits for up to two premium titles of your choosing, access to the Audible Plus catalog of podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. It's a buffet and no credits needed. And a friendly email reminder before your trial ends. Go to www.connectioncounselor.com slash bookme to sign up. And while you're there, check out my latest book reviews. Thank you for supporting our show. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and welcome to Revolution Week. Not too long ago, I read the most fascinating book, Blueprint for Revolution, How to Use Rice Pudding, Lego Men, and Other Nonviolent Techniques to Galvanize Communities, Overthrow, overthrow Dictators, or Simply Change the World, which was written by Sergio Popovich, the founder of the Center for Applied Nonviolent Action and Strategies. This book was written by a gentleman who uh, tells a lot about the story of how his organization helped overthrow the Serbian government. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you again. Join us next time for another tasty Executive Presence Morsel.